Okay, so in this uh, podcast, I'll be talking to Kathleen Ives, who at the time was the CEO of the Online Learning Consortium, also uh, called OLC. Um, this was actually the first podcast I recorded for this podcast series. So even though it's coming sort of late in the series, um, it was one of the first that I actually recorded. So we were still kind of working out some of the rough edges in the process, but hopefully you enjoy the conversation. Um, Kathleen is a really amazing person and who has since retired from OLC, um, but I think that she has a, has a great perspective and has met a lot of wonderful people in this space and you know is really personally interested in um, the kind of relationships we build amongst ourselves in this community and, and has done a lot of work in, in that space to, to support and help online learning grow um, pretty much globally. Uh, so I think that uh, I think that you'll, you'll get a lot out of this conversation. Thank you all for joining. Uh, I'm joined here by Kathleen Ives, the CEO of the Online Learning Consortium. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, why don't we just go ahead and get started uh, and, and give you an opportunity to introduce your, yourself and share a little bit about your background. Sure. So um, I'm Kathleen Ives. I'm the CEO and I'm the executive director of the Online Learning Consortium, which also is known as OLC. And I came to my position in kind of a circuitous way. I started out in corporate working the field in the field of new technology. I don't know if ever, anyone has ever heard of Teletext, Videotext, Minitel or Prodigy. I know I'm really dating myself, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. all of those are part of my DNA. So I worked at CBS, AT&T and Verizon among some of the organizations. Um, and I developed the first online Yellow Pages product. Does anyone even know what a Yellow Pages is anymore? Uh, what at the time was called Big Yellow, and later it was rebranded as Super Pages. And so after, after that journey, I moved into advisory services in the telecommunications field. And while in my position as COO of a small consulting firm, I went back to school for my doctorate and I did it online. It was the only way I could go back to school. And I really resonated with the modality because basically I am a borderline introvert and I had never been able to discover my voice in a big classroom lecture hall. And it really gave me the opportunity to reflect and actually feel like I was contributing. So I have to say it was one of the best educational experiences I ever had. And I became an online adjunct instructor upon graduation. And then I totally uh, changed careers. I moved to a community college here in Massachusetts, where I headed up all forms of alternative instruction, with online being one area. And then I became connected with OLC first as a consultant. I started uh, the Professional Development Institute there. Um, and then I moved in as an employee. So, so I think that it's, you know, what I want to really dig into today is, uh, is 
you know, what, what it means to be part of a professional organization sure. and, and why that's important um, for, for folks in any field, but particular in a, in a technology rich field like this, that's, that's sort of changing constantly. And, and, uh, and so maybe can you tell us a little bit about OLC, the, the organization, sort of what are the typical activities or, or what it means to be a member? And, and then also, sure. you know, your, your role in that context. Sure. So I'm going to, I'd like to give you a little bit of background about OLC because that'll do some context setting and also to understand that we're very much a mission-driven organization. And I think if you understand its inception, it'll lead into who we are today. So the organization was founded by a gentleman named Ralph Gomery, who was president of the Sloan Foundation, and Frank Myotis, who was the program officer in the early 90s, when they established the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation's Learning Outside the Classroom program. And the name was changed soon after to Anytime, Anyplace Learning Program. And the purpose was to explore educational alternatives for people who wanted to pursue higher education, but who could not easily attend regularly scheduled college classes. So this exploration resulted in major developments in pedagogical practice. And at the time, it was commonly referred to as the Asynchronous Learning Network, or ALN. And again, using you know, air quotes, modern data communication technology, including the internet and the World Wide Web, ALNs allowed teaching and learning to transcend time and space in order to provide access, again, to those individuals that wouldn't normally have access to a quality higher education. And the foundation's timing was critical by the beginning of this program. Just It was just before the internet was evolving as a major technological breakthrough. So starting in 1992, the foundation funded 346 projects totaling $72 million, of which Penn State was one of them and one of the leaders in the field. So after you know, these programs were starting, and these universities essentially were pioneers, and they really didn't have others to look at or to talk to. So they organically came together and held meetings. And this became the Sloan Consortium of Colleges and Universities and then was shortened to Sloan C. So it was this informal organization of foundation grantees um, and Sloan C became the largest recipient of funding from the foundation receiving, an about, receiving about 15 million um, over the course of the grant program. I assumed my role in 2013, right as the organization was moving from the foundation to become a self-sustaining member-supported association. And it, today, the rebranded organization provides value to our community through several initiatives, and I'll, I'll go through each of them. The first is professional development through OLC's Institute for Professional Development. And right now, we offer over 100 workshops to choose from which have 50 topic areas, they're instructor-led, and they're also self-paced. We have a mastery series, which are um, intensive online learning programs, and those are in seven topic areas. And then we have certificate programs. We have intensive online teach programs, both advanced and basic, and we have an instructional design certificate program. And finally, within the area of professional development, we have something that, Chris, I know you're familiar with called the Institute for Emerging Leadership and Online Learning. And actually, this was a program that was established with Penn State. It's um, 
It was at Penn State for nine years. Uh, it moved out last year to Washington State. Next year, it's going to be um, in Florida at University of Central Florida. And it's all about taking that emerging leader and helping them move from the, the very operational to the strategic and ready to take that next step. So those, those are professional development opportunities. Then we do a lot of research and development, either by ourselves or with partners. We have a peer-reviewed journal called the Online Learning Journal, or OLJ. We produce uh, OLC Insights blog. We do a podcast in conjunction with the University of Central Florida. We have a newsletter called um, OLC Today, and we're very active in, in social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we also have something called the Quality Scorecard Suite, which is a suite of tools that helps colleges and universities and individuals become, again, more effective at developing their online programs. So we have a, a scorecard that is called the Administration of Online Programs. We have one for blended learning programs. We have one for quality cor course teaching and instructional practice. We have a digital courseware instructional practice uh, scorecard. And we also have a quality scorecard for online student support. We do consulting. We have a speakers bureau. And some individuals listening to this podcast may be familiar with our events. We hold two conferences a year, OLC Accelerate, OLC Innovate. And we also do several regional events under the title of OLC Collaborates. That's excellent. I. By the way, I'm using the quality scorecards in this course as content, so the students should be pretty familiar with that. And Excellent. I've been to several of those different conferences uh, and presented and also, as you said, participated in IELOL and um, really, really valuable experiences. In fact, I, I, I find it hard to imagine being an effective professional and, it's, and especially being a leader in this space um, without being exposed to those sort of events and then and the networking that happens there um so so that's sort of a segue into my my next question which is for those particularly for those that are and then the students in this course yeah oftentimes are professionals in, mm -hmm. in, in so to some degree they might they might be graduate students who are just sort of working through that process but for those who are embarking on a career in the field of online learning what are some of the benefits to engaging in general with professional organizations and in particular in the context of OLC, what are they getting out of, out of being, a, being a member and participating? Sure. And um, when I think about the benefits of being part of a community like OLC, they all revolve around access to people, knowledge, and resources that can help you do your job better. So professional development and best practices, networking and knowledge exchange with peers, leadership development, as you mentioned, Chris, and more. And I think one of the best ways to understand the value of engaging with a professional organization is to hear how members describe what they get out of it. So I actually pulled some quotes that I'd like to share with you, because I think when you hear their voices, it'll perhaps resonate more than if I tell you what, what I think people get out of it. So I'm going to give you a few examples. So sure. under the, the title of professional development, here, here's a quote. I've taught online for over 10 years, but I needed to break out of my usual way of doing things and do an honest appraisal of my courses. The Online Learning Consortium made me scrutinize in depth 
everything from my course learning objectives to my course design rubrics, assignments, and discussions. And I feel my students will benefit from what I've learned from this course. I'm excited to apply my new strategies and assignments created to engage my online students with the material, each other, and myself. Here's another quote. I've really enjoyed working with colleagues from all over the world who are facing some of the some is same issues I face, you know, had the same innovative and exciting suggestions and who had some, excuse me, innovative and exciting suggestions to tackle those issues. I enjoyed reading about and implementing some new ideas, which are immediately going into my courses. So these quotes were focused around our professional development opportunities, where you're put into workshops with people from you know, all over the country and, and oftentimes internationally as well. So then when you get into face-to-face -face events and networking with peers, here, here are a few other um, quotes that I'd like to share with you. OLC Innovate was awesome. I loved meeting the amazing range of curious and connected educators excited to explore and try new things. Here's another quote. I definitely would recommend this conference to colleagues because they will get a sense that they're not alone in their fields. They will meet people who can share strategies and resources to help solve the daunting problems we are facing in online learning. And then when you look at, Chris, access to experts, tools, and resources, here's, here's a quote from an individual who said, OLC is truly the leader in helping leaders define quality in online learning. The true benefit is, of this experience is having people with a great deal of expertise learn about our online operations and provide feedback for improvement. And then under the heading of leadership development and advancement, here's a quote. The professional development that I've received from OLC has not only been a catalyst for improvement in distance teaching and learning at our institution, but has also been the foundation from which I've been able to grow as a leader. So here are just some voices from the field and why they feel that an organization such as OLC is, is, is beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. And I, and this is a changing, as you well know, a, a very quickly changing field and, and, you know, obviously the, the technology landscape is changing, but it's not just that. The policy policies that exist in, in this country and around the world around online learning are changing. Um, and and I think the field is just emerging. There's a lot more competition, yes. um, which is bringing out sort of new innovative approaches. So I it really, you know, I, I couldn't impress enough the importance of engaging in this community and in a place like the professional development you're talking about or in the at your conferences, um, you're having these really critical, constantly having these critical conversations where people are, um, you know, really openly sharing ideas and challenges and working through these things together. And if, if you're not doing that, those sort of activities, then you are making decisions in a, in a vacuum. And I think in order to be, you know, strategic as an institution, you need to be engaging this way. I totally um, agree with you. Yeah. And so, and so I, I wonder, so we've sort of established what OLC, what, what OLC does from the activities and, and, uh, and why these things are important um, to be doing. I'm wondering, you know, so we've convinced folks that they should join OLC and attend some of these events or participate in the professional development. Um, when they're, when they're at an event and they're engaging with their peers from other institutions, what are some of the strategies, you know, as you observe people at, at these conferences, what are, 
the, the most effective people that are getting the most out of this experience, what are the qualities that they're exhibiting? What are some of the strategies that, that, that they're using to get the most out of the experience? Sure. Um, I think, you know, I can't overemphasize the importance of networking and making it a professional goal. So when you're thinking about going, you know, about networking, I, I would establish that up front, make it a professional goal, make it a priority, carve out time and treat it like you would treat any business objective, set objectives for yourself. And I know for some folks, um, networking can be intimidating. Again, I think I, I told you early on in this podcast that I'm a, I'm a borderline introvert. And for me, networking was intimidating. So if you're intimidated by the process, start out small. Start out small with people in your immediate circle and whom you feel comfortable reaching out to. And I would say even use this class as a testing ground for that um, to really begin establishing your network, find out what you know areas of opportunity you have with each other, whether it's for collaboration or professional opportunities. Uh, the other thing I would suggest is seek out relevant networking opportunities. So not only seek out professional events, but sometimes, again, particularly if you're intimidated, if you're um, active in a church group or in your or in your children's, you know, PTA, use those as kind of trial networking opportunities mm -hmm. where you can, you know, get comfortable with the whole process, you know, and and within those, look for ways that you can become more involved, whether it's helping to organize an event or offering to be a speaker. And certainly these are, are skills that you can leverage into your professional space. The other thing I would, would offer up is use technology to your advantage, whether it's just a simple phone call or it's an email or connecting to people through social media, use technology to strengthen the ties to your network. Um, it's really easy now to keep up with people in your network and to connect with them on a regular basis through LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. They're all great platforms to meet with others and, and talk to them in your field. And I'd also be proactive and ask any of your social media contacts to make introductions for you. Uh, I would also suggest that when you meet people, whether it's face-to-face -face or virtually, be prepared. It's very helpful to have a statement or an elevator speech that you have you know, prepared for meeting new people at networking or events or in group situations. And your statement should cover your interests and professional goals. For example, when, when people meet me for the first time, I really try and simplify what OLC does. And I, you know, I say, I'm passionate about online and digital education. And we're an organization that helps colleges and universities become more proficient in the digital and online space. And that is short enough that it can, gives people an opportunity to digest and then ask questions. The other thing I would say is invest time in building relationships. I don't know about you, Chris, but I know when, when I was first exposed to LinkedIn, I was in competition with everyone about having the most followers. They didn't have to be quality. I just had to have the most. Mm -hmm. And really, that isn't the way that you build a, a, a real network. You want to get to know other people in your field and build real relationships that are that are deep and that you can and you can do that very easily. You can do that by asking them questions, um, by offering them information and sharing. But again, that, that's how you develop a network. It's not the superficial, you know, collecting of individuals. And then when you talk about coming to an event, like a physical event, again, I, I would treat it as like a business objective. Come to the event with a clear goal or objective in mind. For example, 
You know, if you're going to an OLC event, your objective might be, I want to learn more about leadership opportunities and higher education and focus your conference networking around your objective. This may seem really obvious, but I, I know a lot, education, we don't have the biggest budgets. Um, and a lot of people look for other hotels to stay in. If you can possibly afford it, stay mm -hmm. in the same hotel because chance meetings are more likely to occur at a Starbucks, at the gym, and also all the events are held there. Um, what's becoming common practice too, we send out a lot of tips to make your um, experience more successful. We start emailing you, maybe we email you too much, but we do send you information as to how you can make your, your event more successful about, you know, events that we may be holding within the event. And I know other organizations do the same. So that's something to cultivate and take a look out prior to going to the conference. The other thing too, and this often is a dirty word, but I don't think it is, meet with exhibitors. Um, so mm -hmm. often in this space, we feel that they're the enemy. Um, we treat them often like used car salesmen, but they're really not. I think they're the most undervalued resource. They know so much, just like us, they do research in the field and they also have a great variety of connections because they're getting to know people like us. Um, so take the time to, to go through that exhibit hall. And again, we, I talked about social media earlier, but use social media during the conference. So tweet or post about the conference, the sessions, take photos, tag people you meet or hope to meet. That's a great way to expand your network. Get the conference app. That also provides opportunities for connecting with each other at the event. Bring business cards, collect business cards. I take the time to write when I meet someone why I, you know, where I met them on the business card or maybe something about them. Because my, my final tip about a general tip is after the conference, make sure you follow up with the people you're, you meet. And those business cards are, are really helpful to do that. And then when you talk about, about specific to OLC, we've actually started creating events to help individuals network. We have something called the field guide program, which are people that are for that are for people that are new to the conference. And so we have individuals that actually will help them decide what sessions to take, you know, we'll show them around the conference venue if need be. We have another thing that we call walk and talks that we have facilitators. Um, they, you have a variety of topics to choose from. You can choose a particular facilitator and walk, get some exercise and walk, you know, outside the conference um, and really kind of do a networking thing that where that there. We also have an opportunity to volunteer. You can be a session chair. And by that is we stream a lot of our sessions and we're always looking for people to be that link to the virtual audience. So a session chair essentially communicates virtually with the individuals that are watching the presentations and are not at the conference. Um, and then this may be obvious too, but submit a proposal. Our call for proposals uh, for Accelerate is now open. Um, we will also be opening our call for proposals at the end of the summer for our conference for Innovate 2020. So that's another way to stay connected. Yeah, I, I agree that being actually actively an active participant in one of these events is going to go a long way to making sure that you get the full value out of it. And I, and, and to your point about um, visiting the, ex the exhibitors hall and, and having conversations with those vendors, I actually had in OLC innovate two poster sessions. Um, and normally I go to these conferences and I, you know, kind of mix up what I do and spend some uh -huh. time in the, uh, in the, in the actual presentations. But since I was in that space, with the posters, I ended up spending the entire conference there 
and just walking up and down the hall and talking. Interesting. And, yeah, and actually having conversations with people. And then the exhibitor space was right next to that. Yeah. So I would kind of bounce back and forth. And the the entire conference, I, I started to lose my voice because my the entire conference was just <laughs> a series of conversations. And it was and it and it ended up being like one of the most valuable conference experiences I ever had. And I feel like going forward, that's sort of what I want to do from now on. Yeah, just- you know, I was gonna ask you that. And and I think that's it's it's really nice if you can mix it up because in, in many conferences now, and, and OLC isn't the only one, they actually stream the sessions. And for me, when I'm producing a conference, I don't get a lot of time to sit in sessions because I am doing a lot of networking. So you can kind of balance out your, you know, your networking opportunities because you know some sessions are going to be streamed and you can look at them later. So there is an opportunity to kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah, you do. You just need to you need to strategize when you're going exactly. to a conference. You can, you can't just go there and be a wallflower the entire time. You're you're not. It's not. It's not going to be as worth doing to you. you well, know, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think if I could leave anybody, I, I would say be purposeful, right? Mm-hmm. I know when I was younger, I would just go to a conference with no thought in my head. You know, I'd go there and I'd make decisions on the fly. I'm not anymore because, you know, my time is valuable. I know others' time is valuable. So I'm, I really strategize when I go there. Like, what do I want to get out of it? Who do I want to see? You know, so just being very purposeful about what you want that experience to be. I think you're you're right. I, I really like what you said about sort of using social media as a as a almost as a way to begin some of these conversations that you can continue at the events. And I think one thing that I've always really enjoyed is is finding the right followers. I I, I look at Twitter a lot, so I have people people in the educational technology or online learning space that are you know big voices. Um, and, and influential people in that space. And invariably, the people that I follow and, and get the most out of their their Twitter posts are, you run into them at an OLC conference. I was just going to say that. Isn't that so amazing? Like you've never met them face to face, right? But they know you from your social presence. Right. And they're, and they're sort of, you know, from your perspective, sort of many famous people. Right. Rock um, stars. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you, but then you find yourself in this sort of, sort of, really valuable, totally normal conversation with these people. You and and having followed these people and seen seen what they post about is a conversation starter. So you don't have to walk up to this person that you've heard about and have nothing to say. You can sort of engage them. I really like what you had to say about that new policy and, and student aid or whatever. And then that's a starting point. So that's exactly it's yeah, really social media is really important. In fact, I think that for this course I might find some interesting people on on Twitter and some of these other platforms to share just to sort of jumpstart some people's social network in the space. I think that's an excellent idea. You know, some of the people that you follow that you think are super knowledgeable, um, that's a great way to start your network because you also are engaging with their followers, right? Who have similar interests because they're following them. So it's it really is a great strategy. Yeah, you can really get down the rabbit hole with the- <laughs> You can go down the rabbit hole. Working. That's <laughs> the downside. Just be thoughtful about it. Um, okay, so 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 let's talk a little bit about some, some you know, as if everything that we've said up thus far wasn't sort of a good, um, you know, enough of a, enough to convince people to kind of engage in professional- mm-hmm professional organizations and develop their network. Um, I, I'm wondering if you can, from the time that you've been at OLC, share some examples of, you know, the really inspirational 
things that have come out of the connections that were made through through this organization? You know, it's it, it's sometimes they're not monumental, but they're just things that you go, this is so cool. So I, I've broken them up into two categories. I've looked at individuals and then I've looked at collective bigger, bigger impact things. And so I used to teach in the in the Institute for Professional Development for OLC before I became the the, the CEO. I, I just loved it. It was so rewarding. But one of the things that was really interesting to me is, again, people that are, attend our workshops are from all over the country. And like I said, we do have a, a, a small international audience, but we do have international people. And the connections that are made organically within the discussion forums and within the webinars that are part of the curriculum are fascinating because these connections tend to last longer than the workshops themselves, right? Because, you know, you're getting out of your your own institutional bubble. You're you're dealing with, you know, you're taking a, a workshop because you're interested in that topic. And obviously everyone else that's there is too. So you're sharing experiences, you're you're learning from others. And you know, that's a great way to really um, develop a network. And it's been very fulfilling for me just to watch that happen. And I've, I've been, you know, I've been the recipient of that as well. I mean, even as, as a faculty member, I've also made connections with individuals in the workshops that have lasted, you know, long after the workshop has, has ended. Um, and I'll use IELOL because it's an example that you and I both share. I was in the first class of IELOL. The, again, this was the Institute for Emerging Leaders in Online Learning. And we have our own Facebook page. And OLC didn't develop that page. Penn State didn't develop that page. Um, the, the individual members of IELOL wanted a way to stay connected with each other. And they developed it. And the Facebook page is open to everyone. So those of you that are listening to the podcast, just um, you know, look for the IELOL Facebook group. And if you're interested in joining, um, we do have administrators, but you will be approved. And it, that's not a problem. You just go through an approval process. But you get so much information from that group. And it's it's also, you know, you, you see personal stories. Uh, a, a colleague of ours was just in those... Um, shootings in North Carolina. And we all found out, um, an IELOL colleague, we all found out that he was fine and, and all of that. So again, it's, it's you know, you make professional connections and you share professional information, but it's also that, that deeper connection that you have with individuals, which is also um, very, very important. And then I think collectively, um, what, what I've seen is, you know, we're a mission-driven organization, we're a nonprofit. And so we tend to look for partnerships with other organizations and individuals where we can make an impact in our field. You know, I shared with you the story as to why we were founded to help individuals who didn't have a, 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 another way to get a higher education. Um, last year, we worked with a, a with a partner organization, WCET, to look at the issue of accessibility. Both of us have been told by members in our community that they they wanted to know more about it. They weren't getting enough in information at their institutions. So we, we labeled 2018 as the year of accessibility and we tapped into members of our community. You know, we said, are you interested? Do you wanna work with us on this issue? And we did webinars, we posted blogs, um, we did a survey and that was all done with our community members, people that were interested in you know, moving the needle forward with regard to accessibility and online digital education. 
This year, we're working on something that we call IDEA, which stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Advocacy. Um, how can we incorporate that into our DNA? And we're partnering with Merlot, who's also our partner with the Innovate Conference. But we've also put a call out to individuals that are also interested or may have expertise in that area to help us figure out how we can become more effective in our field and incorporating those, those principles um, within all of our, our institutions. So those are just a couple of, of things that I've seen that I find particularly motivating and inspirational. That's great. There's a whole lesson in this course on uh, inclusiveness, which includes accessibility and universal design, but a lot of the topics that you were just talking about. And right. I think that that's one of those things that entering this space Maybe you have a peripheral sort of understanding that that's important in the context of online learning, um, but really at an early point in your career, sort of incorporating that in everything you do is really beneficial to learners. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is, is it's, it's also beneficial to people that don't have a, dis dis bleh, excuse me, that don't have a disability. For example, mm -hmm. I, um, I was just watching a, um, a podcast, not a podcast. I was uh, taking a course in Coursera where they incorporate videos, but they also have the transcripts. And I find that I will listen to the video, but also read the transcripts at the right. same time. It's just my learning style. Um, but, and I just find that extremely valuable. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the, the universal design approach is, is just sort of uh, everybody, everybody benefits from those uh -huh. sort of design strategies and, yeah. and, and you should really just, you shouldn't do anything where you're not, considering you know, sort of this, this, the full audience and, and, you know, different sort of learning styles. Um, the uh, one thing, another comment that I just wanted to make real quick was, was the yeah. IEL, IELL Facebook group. Um, one from a, from a sort of a leadership standpoint, particularly as you, um, you know, for those that are interested in leadership positions that, you know, as we both have sort of go through increasingly, um, uh, greater uh, levels of responsibility. There's sort of a diminishing group of people who you can really network with and, and talk to about things you're concerned with or yes. um, your development. It, you know, and at some point, it's it might be in in the entire country a, a small handful of people that know what you're going through and can help work through issues with you. Um, so, so again. You know, at the beginning of your career, going to these conferences and developing the network is really important. And then as you take on leadership positions, um, it, you'll find at some point that those sort of communities of leaders are absolutely critical to your, sure. you know, to your, to your emotional health, let alone, you know, the development of your career. No, I think you make a really, really good point. I, I, I have found that even though you and I have been in this this space for a while that we still pretty much are pioneers and oftentimes it can be a lonely journey within an institution now penn state has done so many wonderful things so it's it's a little bit different there but i work with a lot of institutions where there are like three maybe four people that are in the you know the online learning area space whatever you want to call it and it has different names in different institutions and there is really no one there that they can talk to um, because most of the institution is focused on the you know the the brick and mortar and um, so having these opportunities outside the institution is so important well i want to be mindful of your time so so i want to sort of conclude with with asking you if you had any final thoughts 
for the students in this class or anybody listening to the podcast, um, as they're as they're 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 part of this class because they're clearly interested in advancing themselves intellectually and 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 probably advancing their careers. Um, what are some sort of parting thoughts that you have for for folks as they start to pursue the next phase of their their lives? Um, I definitely would would not look at the online learning, online education in a vacuum. Um, we do environmental scan where we look at the different forces that are shaping the field. So I would say just be mindful of that. Everything from from politics to delivery models to new business models. I really feel that the, the children of today are going to be facing a totally different post-secondary education experience than than you and I perhaps did. Um, they're very digitally aware. They're coming into the university with a greater set of digital skills. Um, and then everything that's going on with, you know, the perception of higher ed at this juncture, is it valuable? Is it not valuable? Um, the whole notion of leadership, and you and I have touched on it, you know, briefly throughout, or, you know, with throughout the podcast. But, you know, as, as you mentioned, leaders in this space have greater issues to deal with than the leaders did 30 years ago. You know, there's a there's a move from the one size that fits all model to the changing demands of multiple stakeholders, increasing regulation, you know, competition, uh, new technologies and methodologies for de delivering education. And, and I could go on and on. All of these, you know, I, I guess I would just say, don't look at your experience just within the context of your specific field. Look at what's shaping that field because that's also really important. And then finally, as we, as you talk about networking and, and things that you can do, um, as you're looking at where you want to be, whether you want to move to that next position or you're just new to the field and you're looking for a position, I'm all for informational interviews. And I still do this, you know, target an individual that has a position that you aspire to, you know, go to them, ask if you can meet with them. I have to say, we are all individuals that love, you know, love attention. We love to talk about what we do. We love to share. Uh, we love to mentor. So it's a really easy way to get to know what it takes to be in that position. And then prior to closing the interview, ask them to give you three more contacts that you can contact. Mm -hmm. And that's another way to kind of develop your, your network and to increase your skill set and your expertise. That's fantastic advice. I very much appreciate your time. I think uh, it was a really interesting conversation and I think everybody's going to get a lot out of this. So, so thank you so much for, for talking with me today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. 